On this episode of Honey, You Should Watch This, Greg chose Gross Point Blank, a story of a hitman who attends his 10-year reunion. And I'm going to tell you, I've never been to any of my reunions, but I'm pretty sure the soundtrack that they play at that reunion probably wouldn't be as cool. We, we probably would have had a bunch of Bon Jovi. just make fun of Bon Jovi two weeks after making fun of twins. <laughs> All right, that's fucking strike two. Shot to the heart. That's strike, no, 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 <laughs> no. That's strike two. You don't get to make fun of twins Baby, and Bon Jovi in the same month. a bad name. Yeah. <laughs> no, you can't give twins a bad name because perfection cannot be, cannot be argued with. Oh, jeez. <laughs> I don't even know who you are anymore. <laughs> Yeah, I think that's kind of the lesson we're learning as we're going through this experiment of trying to understand each other's taste in movies. What, that you like Bon Jovi? No, that you don't know who I am. (laughs) That's not true. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Honey, You Should Watch This. If you are just listening for the first time, this podcast is uh, a husband, which it would be Greg. Say hello, Greg. Hello, Greg. And a wife, Susan, which would be me. Uh, and we have, uh, we like movies, but sometimes our taste in movies are a little bit different uh, than each other. So we are trying to learn and understand each other's taste in movies by exposing each other to films that the other one probably wouldn't necessarily want to watch. So here we are in this week. Yeah, yes. And you have picked a movie of one of the sadly most promising presidential candidates that there ever were was were Kanye no you don't remember in the 2000s that there was a grassroots effort for John Cusack for president oh. yeah I do remember that yeah yeah he he did the right thing and and walked away well he didn't want it he told I mean, them to stop I mean, it no. but what did happen from that was they um they had a lot of community leaders and they were doing a lot of um kind of grassroots um community service so okay. a lot of good did come from that campaign. Okay. But I really feel like well, John Cusack is the healing that America needs right well, it now. it seems right because, you know, a lot of good has come from John Cusack movies. So, you know, there you go. Like what? Well, I, I, I've had a lot of happy times oh, okay. from John Cusack movies, and that's really all that matters. All right. I was just curious. Screw everybody else. Just curious. I don't look forward to this every week so that you can make fun of me. I'm not making fun of you. I'm just asking. I'm curious. I, I'm 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 sincerely interested to he, know your mind. He's he's one of he's just one of my uh I, I really like him. I I, I like his movies. Mm-hmm. I know that his movies aren't generally box office, you know they're not huge, mm-hmm. but I, I just think that I, I like his quirkiness and I, I Yeah. I, I mean He's a it, he's a calming presence even though he's kinda neurotic. And- it always it, I probably started with Better Off Dead just because that was one of the first movies obviously that I saw him in and I saw it a long time ago. I was still in junior high school when I saw it, but I've I, I 
I haven't seen too many of his movies that I was like, you know what, pass. I, I mean, most of his movies, I'm like, okay, I enjoyed it. Kind of, right. kind of got supered with this movie a little bit. I mean, I hadn't seen it for a long time, but it wasn't, it wasn't as good as I remembered. But I still, I still really like it. So, All right. And for those of you who don't know what he just referenced, supered is the term we use because one of the movies that Greg had picked out was the Super with Joe Pesci, not the Super with the other guy. Um, and it's pronounced Superman. <laughs> Gosh, no, there was another Super like <laughs> there was like 2017 kind of thriller, or something. Thriller yeah. movie didn't have like. Didn't have Van Damme. Who who the hell it had? I don't remember. But it was nobody that I knew of. I don't think. But upon watching, he realized that the super wasn't as good as he remembered it to be. So whenever we come across a movie that is kind of not the greatest, even though we thought it was good back in the day, we we call it a super. Okay, that's that's. uh, I'm going to petition. Funkin' Wagner, what is it, not uh, the Webster's Dictionary. Webster's Dictionary defines to, super as. Yes, as, as being bamboozled, Supered. as having thought the movie was better than it actually is, <laughs> because you were younger and dumber and didn't know what a good movie was. <laughs> they, they might take part of that, I don't know, who, who, who knows. <laughs> uh, so I'm, I'm coming into this episode with a little bit of trepidation because I listened to our last episode, Attack of the Killer Tomatoes, and I was not happy with my performance. I could tell I was kind of suffering a little bit you gotta, from you gotta my get, arthritis. But. You got to get past that shit because even Tom Brady throws interceptions. So Yeah, that's true. I mean... That's a nice analogy. Look, we talked about it and I, I, was, I was fine with the episode, but... There was not a lot to talk about with Killer Tomatoes. There wasn't there wasn't great acting that we could talk about. There wasn't great script. It was just it is what it is, and it was what it was. And I mean, we enjoyed it. We gave our review, and we we move on. Yeah, I, it wasn't necessarily the the content. It, it, I could just tell by listening to it that I was really really struggling, and there was a lot. You could make a supercut of all the ums and eh, that um, happened. So I'm I'm a little disappointed in well, in my performance. And cor- that's about it. So coronavirus lockdowns ahead of a drug <laughs> it really is I, I, you're not lying there you're right so you know so i'm gonna on. make a concerted effort and i have my alcohol right here to help me out so oh yeah because alcohol always makes things better it does it really really does okay all right so gross point blank mm-hmm. why'd you choose this film for me to watch well because you'd never seen it okay that's it no, I I, <laughs> I enjoyed this movie. I, I I thought um, there's a couple things we'll get into that were not as good as I remember them, but I really enjoyed the performances of the characters, of the mm-hmm. actors. I thought, I mean, even the the people that were just like one note people in the movie, I really, I just thought this movie was significantly better than it gets credit for. Uh, Jeremy Piven and Dan Aykroyd. I've never seen Dan Aykroyd play a character like that ever. Um, I'm sure that he probably has done some weird stuff that I might not remember, but it was just, and there's a lot of good actors and, and known people in this movie. And I just thought it was, it was fun to watch. I, it was just, yeah, okay. it was fun to watch. I thought you would like it. Okay. All right. Plus I, I know you like Hank Azaria. I do like Hank Azaria. Oh yeah, I know. Yeah. He gets underplayed a lot. Yeah, I know. I, I found the premise interesting and we can get into that a little bit later. Okay. Um, it's labeled as a, a black comedy or a dark comedy. Well, he does wear black pretty much the whole time. Yeah, so he does. I get it. True. Yeah. And black well, comedies matter. Hitman style. Mm. Yes. Um, but I, I almost consider it a flight of fancy too, because who hasn't dreaded seeing somebody from their past 
and having to tell people what you've been up to, right? Yeah. <laughs> Especially if you're feeling like you're not yeah. completely up to par. So it was it was interesting um, thing to explore as far as that's concerned. Yep. All right. Good enough. Good. So do you want me to get into the summary? Sure. Do All the summary. Right. I, I am ripping a lot. I mean, borrowing or um, whatever um, from <laughs> Wikipedia. And hold on. Let me get this at the right size so I'm not struggling to read this. All right. Okay. Good enough. Here we go. Gross point blank. Ten years after high school graduation, hitman Martin Blank finds himself depressed and delusioned with his work. Haunted by dreams of his high school sweetheart, whom he stood up on prom night. And on top of that, he has a chief rival named Grocer who's attempting to, attempting to unionize the hitman business, ostensibly to avoid situations in which members of their profession would find themselves pitted against each other. Martin refuses to join, putting the two at odds. After a couple of botched jobs, Martin's assistant books him a contract in Gross Point, Michigan that coincides with Blank's 10-year high school reunion, ostensibly to make amends with the client. He is persuaded into going by his reluctant therapist, Dr. Oatman. Uh, he is uh, followed by two national security agents uh, who are tipped off to Martin's contract by Grocer while he's in town. While he's in town, he also reconnects with his childhood, fr childhood friend Paul and his high school sweetheart, Debbie Newberry, who is now a radio DJ who Martin had, a, uh, this was the one who, who he had abandoned on prom night to enlist in the army. He freely admits to his former classmates that he is a professional hitman, but everyone assumes he's, he is joking. He also visits his mentally ill mother in a retirement home and his father's grave. While he reacquaints himself with the town and his old friends, Martin is stalked not only by the NSA agents, but by Felix Le Poubelle, another hitman who attempts to kill Martin in a convenience store built on the site of his childhood home. Despite these dangers, Martin remains distracted by his desire to reconcile with Debbie and repeatedly procrastinates opening the dossier on his target. At the reunion, Martin comes face to face with La Poubelle again, and after an extended fight, he kills him. Paul and Debbie are shocked to learn that Martin's claims are truly True, and Debbie cannot handle the fact and walks away from Martin. Debbie's rejection of him gives Martin an emotional breakthrough, and he abruptly decides to retire from being a contract killer. He fires Oatman over the phone and lays off Marcella and orders her to, to incinerate the office, and finally opens the dossier detailing the contract he brought with him to Gross Point. He is surprised to find out that the target is Debbie's father, Bart, who is scheduled to testify against his client. Martin attempts to save Bart and faces Grocer and his squad, who also um, have a contract to, uh, uh, to kill Bart. And in the middle of the fight, Martin proposes to Debbie, who is too shook to answer, but Bart gives his blessing. So once <laughs> Martin faces off uh, with Grocer and kills him, Debbie and Martin drive off together into the sunset. So let me tell you a little bit more about this film. My computer is not I didn't, I didn't cooperating see them today. Into the sunset. I don't think they were really necessarily yeah. driving off to the sunset. Yeah. I added my own flourish to it. Okay. Yeah. I I was going to write it down. You and know who else no. adds their own flourish to stuff? Who? Bon Jovi. He does? Yeah. Yeah, you've heard it. Yeah. I have? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Anyway. Moving on. 
This uh, film is directed by George Armitage. It is written by Tom Jankowicz, uh, Jankowitz, sorry, um, and also has writing credits by D.V. DeVicentis, Steve Pink, and John Cusack. It stars John Cusack as Martin Q. Blank, Mini Driver as Debbie Newberry, Alan Arkin as Dr. Oatman, Dan Aykroyd as Grocer, Joan Cusack as Marcella, Jeremy Piven as Paul, and Hank Azaria and K. Todd Friedman as the NSA agents. All right. Yeah. All right. So let's talk about that premise. Yeah. All let's right. talk about it. So this came about because in 1991, so eight years before this film was even thought about, maybe seven, Tom Jankowitz got a letter uh, about his high school, his 10-year high school reunion back at Bishop Foley Catholic High School in Michigan. He was in L.A. by now trying to become a screenwriter and supporting himself by working at Big Lots. That's right, he was. Yep, and as a substitute teacher. He wasn't ready to see all of his old friends, um, and his brothers later said, because um, unfortunately um, Tom Jankowitz passed away in 2013. No, 2003, I think. Anyway, I'll look it up later. There was a three in there. Yeah. <laughs> he wasn't ready to see his old friends again, uh, but when the letter came and he wasn't where he wanted to be, he freaked him out and made him productive, and he sat down and got serious and wrote what would become Gross Point Blank. And I, I commend him for it because, you know, yeah. yeah. It's good. <laughs> it's good and fine and good. Well, I mean, you never went to your reunion. I never went to, to any mine. I've never even received an invitation yes. for my reunions. Didn't I thought you did at one point. I um because when we're looking at information about whether or not to go and trying to decide, but I don't, I don't think so. Because this year's this year would be would have been my thirtieth. Okay. I graduated in ninety. Yeah, I thought about ten years ago or something. We was your twentieth or something like that. Would you go if you had, if you knew? I don't. I don't know. Um. Wow, that's a good question. Uh, I would probably go. I don't know how long I'd stay. I don't. I. I mean, most of my friends that I had in high school, I don't. I haven't talked to them in forever. My best friend, I think I've talked to on Facebook twice in thirty years. Um, so it's not like I miss. I don't feel like I'm missing out on anything. But uh, I mean, I don't. I think it's kind of a silly thing anyway. High school reunions are kind of silly because you're going to stay in touch with people that you wanted to stay in touch with. For instance, for instance, if you're the if you're the the nerd, mm-hmm. for lack of a better word, that got picked on in high school. Why would you want to go back and see the asshole jock that was picking on you? You know what I mean? Well, I mean, if if TV shows and movies are to be believed, I mean, the reason you go back for a reunion um, is to either face those demons down, show them that it never bothered you, or you're, you, you came back stronger, or you're better, or you're more attractive, and all that stuff. So... I have enough I demons that I got to face on a daily basis. <laughs> I don't need to add to the pile. <laughs> I got to get out of bed. I got to bend over and tie my shoes. That just sounds like a lot of weight to have to carry on your shoulders to have to deal with all that crap. Yeah. I mean, I can I can see, especially if you're not like successful. Yeah. Well, yeah, I get that. I think that's kind of what the whole point is is in you know, one of my favorite this this was a good spin on the high school reunion because it definitely does not have those 
motivators behind it to show, you know, I've, I've, to be honest, I've never really seen Romy Michelle's high school reunion. I don't which, have it. I really don't have any, any interest, um, even though I like Lisa Kudrow. But the 30 Rock episode where Tina Fey goes back and she's trying to prove that she's successful and all the people who picked on her only to find out that she was the one who was the bully, right? Yeah, that, <laughs> that was, was that was that probably was the most interesting. This is this one's pretty interesting though. And it's really funny because not only did Jankowitz um kind of wrestle with some of the things that he wanted to deal with in high school, he didn't go to the reunion. Um he did use the name of some former classmates from some of the characters. Um, Jerry Piven's, Piven's character, for one, um, was named after um, Tom, uh, Tom Jankowitz's best friend. Um, the reunion announcement um, is almost near verbatim, the copy from his high school reunion um, committee. Right. Um, he named Marcella after his manager, Big Lots. Okay. Um, and then when John Cusack's company, New Crime, got a hold of it and was going to do it, they also kind of added their own high school flair into it. So uh, Steve Pink, D.V. DeVicentis, um, and then Piven was involved in kind of optioning and, and working on the screenplay as well. So they added um, some other things about their own high school in it, specifically the bully. Um, which um, The one who was the car dealer? Yeah. Okay. Um, and as they were writing it, they uh, they said, "I pray he hasn't seen this movie." <laughs> well, they hadn't seen it yet. If they were just writing it, right? Duh. No, I mean once they once it came out, oh. they were like, "We hope he doesn't see this movie." I don't remember specifically who said it. I don't know if it was I think it was Cusack, but it could have been Piven. Who knows? Okay. So, one of the points about this movie is the fact that whenever somebody asks, where's he been, what's he been up to, he just says, I'm a hitman. Well, only to, to three people. He says it to three different people. He right. says it to... Um, he says it to he Paul. He says it to Paul. He says it to Debbie. Does he? Yeah, he does. Okay. He tells Debbie. I don't know who else he tells. I can't remember. I think maybe the girl at the front desk. That, yeah, maybe that was giving out the name tags. Yeah, I can, I can, I can look it up. There's a, it was on IMDb when he says it, but he says it, he says it seriously, and they all take it as a joke. Yeah, but you know what's funny about that is, is if you ran into somebody you hadn't seen them for a long time, they had just vanished out of your life, and then one day, boom, they're they're back in front of you, and you say what you've been up to, and they say you've been a hitman. I just don't understand that people would just kind of joke around about it but then not try to probe further because you know my next response would be oh that's funny what do you really do <laughs> yeah that's funny stop bullshitting you, with me you gotta yeah. be kidding me right yeah <laughs> you know? no, I, I you're right it's uh, that's the that's the interesting spin in this is that you know most people want to go back and tell people what they like. They do want to go back. Want to tell people? Yeah, see oh, my you kids. Know, see I'm my the owner kids. of Microsoft, or you know, I drive a Porsche. And he's like, "Well, look, this is what I do." And um, I really can't tell anybody because of the fact that it's illegal. You know, <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? I, I mean, I you know, it's it's one of those because I th thought about it, and I'm like, maybe he's saying it so it wouldn't invite any questions. But I, I would, and I'm I'm. Just was kind of shocked. It was funny. It was a funny touch to to have people just kind of joke back and not 
really probe any further because I don't know if you went to someplace like that and you didn't want somebody to kind of probe into your life, what would you say? Yeah. You know, I don't think that would be it, but you know, I guess it worked for him. I wouldn't know what to say. I really wouldn't. I like I'm a pet psychiatrist, but... <laughs> the, that was a really good scene when he was standing in front of the mirror, just <laughs> naming um, just naming all these really messed up jobs that he could... He, when was a pet psychiatrist? What were the other ones? I can't, I can't remember. Uh, uh, I sell in couch insurance. That's right. Oh, so funny. See, that would be a good one. Like something that would be so obscure and so boring that nobody would ever think to ask any more questions. Yes. I couch couch insurance would I mean that's 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 just brilliant. I don't know who came up with that, but that's just really good. Yeah. I will say John Cusack I I've always liked John Cusack. I find him just entertaining to watch because he's got that kind of cool, casual, but also neurotic it, vibe about him. It's really odd how he's able to pull off a really smooth persona, but is never in control of his situations in a movie. You know what I mean? Right. Like, he, he's, he's, he's in control here, and that's, that's, that's not the right way to say it, but like Better Off Dead is, just a, good, is a good example. He's like, just you know, all this inner turmoil... But yet he's all, he's he's got it. Got, he's got yeah, it going on in the moment. Um, yeah. Presence of mind, right? Yes. Um, except when he's daydreaming. Yes. <laughs> yes. Except when he's daydreaming. Absolutely when correct. He's daydreaming. You know what's funny though that he is playing this. Um, what I was thinking was, you know, he's playing this guy who kills people for a living. Um, needs to be kind of aware of his circumstances, you know, on the ball, all this. But he's kind of forced his way into this therapist office to, for the therapist to see him. The therapist doesn't want to see him because he knows what he does for a living. Of him, yeah. um, but he keeps coming and he kind of feels the therapist, which is Alan Arkin is really funny. Um, so always. He's, he's brilliant anyway. Yeah. Um, but I just kind of said, I don't. This is the least neurotic I have seen John Cusack in a film, right? Usually I can buy the the stressing out and the, oh my God. and I, But you don't get that as much from him. Um, so it was surprising to me that they had him like seeing a therapist, not being able to deal with what he was doing. And I'm kind of thinking, okay, well, this is just, you know, something that, that's done that allows him to give the exposition of him kind of standing up Debbie and, and being constantly haunted by the fact that he did that to his high school sweet, sweetheart, the love of his life, all that. Um, but then I think about um, the fact that he's got this really strange logic that keeps him blind to what he does for a living, right? Which is if I come to your door... If you're seeing me, you did something. You've done something to bring me to your door. To bring yeah. me to your door. Um, and so that is kind of like he's been lying to himself. So I can kind of get it now that I've thought about it. But it's still like the least keyed up I've seen him. Like he's more neurotic and messed up 
and in like America's Sweethearts than he is in this film. Yeah, but that also is a, is a nice line that they walk because of the fact that you would have to be completely under control and completely aware of everything that's happening and have some sanity and some senses about you to be a hitman. Right. Because you're putting yourself in harm's way all the time. You've always you've got to know what's going down, you know, blah blah blah, all that stuff. So, I think I think what what he's dealing with in this movie, the the ne- neurotic neurosis. Yeah. That hey, look at there, I know a big word. The neurosis <laughs> that he's experiencing and dealing with is just the fact that maybe he just doesn't want to do this anymore. He I mm-hmm. mean, you've kind of you kind of see him prepare himself even with that when it starts out when he's way up in the building and he shoots the guy on the bike that he's ready to just kind of be done with this like you know 10 years of that's probably enough but if he is done with it i think maybe he's struggling with what does he do mm-hmm. you know that you you become a car salesman you, you know what i mean do you do you work at a, a quickie mart right you know also the other thing is is that i mean he's makes a lot of money so right you know, and he seems to well i i would and he's really good at it he is really good at it. Um, he's. You don't get to see his lifestyle, right? You see all the things that through Joan Cusack, the things that he's able to buy and, you know, she's negotiating arms, buying arms and, and, and explosives and whatnot while she's on the phone and um, all that, but you wonder how much he's got stashed away and all that. But he's certainly just not interested at all in getting more and kind of, he likes to work for himself. That's obvious, you know, because Dan Aykroyd, you know, he keeps turning down Dan Aykroyd. Those two have great chemistry in this film. They are probably the most interesting scenes are with the two of them together. Uh, they, those scenes are, are brilliant. Uh, all, all three of them are brilliant uh like i said you've never seen i've never seen akrid play a character like this before he's just cold and is this a sociopath yeah I mean, he's he, crazy he literally is um <laughs> just just the way that he's manipulating the situation and is totally okay with people dying and him trying to corner the market so that he can charge more to make those people die at that i mean that's if you didn't know anybody, you'd think he was a federal government. <laughs> well, I think it is interesting. You've got murder as a business, mm-hmm. right? And, and it is. It is, I, I guess. I mean, you're because you're talking not only talking about it as an, a financial exchange, but he's trying to create this monopoly, a union, a union of killers. I mean, that's crazy. That's a crazy well, concept. Well, I guess. I'd say the mafia, but I'm afraid to say the mafia, so I won't. Well, I just did. Oh shit! You go, you go from you go from <laughs> independent contractors to everybody working for somebody else, right? So now you're told, you know, when you can and when you can't, and how much you're going to do it for, and you know, things like that. So, I mean, it's an interesting concept, but right. you know, I just I just don't think it works that way. To to circle back, he told it. He told that he was a hitman to three people. He told it to his best friend, okay, his ex girlfriend, mm-hmm. and this was the best one that we forgot about her father. Oh, her father! Yeah, remember what do you do for a living? I'm a hitman. Good for you. <laughs> <laughs> remember what he said. That's yeah. okay. Yeah, he that's was, right. Well, he actually he said something. He goes, "Oh, uh, you know, now and I can like you a little bit more or something." I can't remember exactly what right. he said, but do you, do you know what 
I got reminded of by Dan Aykroyd's performance in, in this film is, um, do you remember the skit in Saturday Night Live where it was Candace Bergen doing a consumer show about the toys? Yes, and he was like, like oh, look, you're just, you're just playing with it. Yeah, you just, you yeah. know, it's just glass. And yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know, yeah. oh, oh, I got this toy phone. Oh, yeah, that kind of, but that whole smarmy um, persona really reminded me of yeah. that. Like, a, it's a, a little it's, bit. It's yeah. about the money. Yeah, it was six. six I think that this might have been the first movie that I saw Aykroyd in that he had put on the weight. Oh, really? Yeah, I, I can't remember a movie that I'd seen before, uh, seen him in before this. You, uh, you probably that, My Girl. Was he heavier in My Girl? I think he was heavier okay. in My Girl, yeah. Well, we I saw My Girl, and I'll, I didn't see My Girl 2, because My Girl sucked, Wait, would you? sucked all the willingness to ever see anything with the names <laughs> My or Girl in it. It's a good thing that the, it's a good it's a good thing that the Die Hard that the um oh god Cary Grant movie is called His Girl Friday because if it was called My Girl Friday I wouldn't watch that shit <gasps> because yes. it has my and girl in the title <laughs> That's how bad that movie was So here was one of the things that I kind of like what did what did you think of Minnie Driver in this when I, when I saw this, I really had no idea who she was. Really? Yeah. Um, but it was back in like, I saw this when it had come out. Because a friend of mine was like, you got to watch it, you got to watch it, you got to watch it. And um, I thought she was really good in it. But I honestly, I don't know how many Mini Driver movies I've seen. Maybe maybe two? I, I've seen maybe two or three. Um, the, the thing I remember her, and I think was her best role ever, was when she was a guest recurring character on Will and Grace. Okay. She played the mistress to Karen's husband. Okay. And she was just really good because Minnie Driver at the time was kind of known as this kind of sweet girl next door type. Right. But when she started playing kind of more bitchy characters is where she really shines. And she just did a really, really good, like that, to me, that was the best role I've ever seen her in. She doesn't hang out in a lot of the types of movies that I typically watch. Mm -hmm. She's a little more dramatic, but. Yeah, we've never seen Good Will Hunting. Have, have you? That's the other movie that yeah, I've seen she was in that. Good Will Hunting. Yeah. How you like those apples? Jeez. <laughs> yeah. That was, yeah. I forgot she was in that. Well, because I was, I was trying to figure her out, like. I was asking myself, okay, if somebody else played this role, you know, I'd think of any other actress that was kind of in there, you know, would it be as good? Would it be better? Would it, I, I just kind of had a hard time with, with, I mean, it, it was more, she was kind of there. She, but I, I really got down to the fact that maybe this character is in like extreme arrested development as well. Cause she's still bothered by the 10 year, being stood up thing she's still living with her dad who's super rich so it's not like she's had to do a whole lot she she djs and listen, plays music that, that she likes so she doesn't she's not quite a grown-up in this whole thing I, I kind of of all the characters in the movie i feel like she's probably my least favorite and i hate to say that because she does a good job in it but they just equated her as this it was just it was odd the way right. that she was like when he shows up at the at the at the studio she was brutal to him which understandable 
you know, he stood her up at prom and never heard from her again. But she kisses him. Huh? But she kisses him. Yeah. Which was totally improvised, by the way. Yes, it was. Um, apparently, John Cusack was very happy after that. There's <laughs> so a story I heard was that he was he was kind of he was kind of giddy about it because she's very she's very pretty. Um, she's pretty, but she's 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 a normal pretty. She yeah, she's like I got a you very unique feature. She's not what you would consider. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Movie star quality. Yeah, model pretty. Yeah, she's you know. a girl. She's kind she's, of a girl next door pretty. Is yeah, what she is, and yeah. that's that's the kind of pretty I like. That's the kind of pretty you are. So, um, <laughs> oh, no, look at that. No spit take. What? <laughs> <laughs> um, but she she just like and then she and then it went to okay I'll go out with you, and then it was like you know like so it's like okay she went out with him so that they could have an actual conversation and I got that part right but then it was like when he showed up at her house. Mm-hmm. And she's like, you can't come in. And she's goofing around and, and give me a give me an airplane ride, you know. And then it's like twenty minutes later, it's like, oh, I don't like you, you know. It was just like very like, are you going? To, I, and it, the, that's it, kind of back to the whole thing. Like something like, did that screw her up so fundamentally like that she's, she's emotionally stunted. Or she's something. emotionally she's back to being a teen because like when he's knocking on her door or her window or whatever, you know, she runs to the door like a teenager. Yeah, she acts like a teenager and in this whole thing. She ran and jumped on the bed and flopped around. Yeah. like she was eleven and they were about to have. A slumber party it was just very different yeah it was it was interesting kind of kind of an interesting choice i i don't know if i really buy the chemistry as much but it's not it's not distracting right i i'm trying to to think about like other semi-romantic roles that john cusack's been in that i always just feel like when john cusack is playing opposite a girl it's more John Cusack than it is yes. the person he's been working with. The best chemistry I've seen him with is with Catherine Zeta-Jones in America's Sweethearts, where they're playing ex, yeah, exes. And that that movie is I, that's one of my favorites. I really really like that movie. I, he is a big reason I like that movie. But y- you're right. I think that 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 what we're talking about with the main driver here thing is that, to me the one place that this movie falls down a little bit. I think that there needed to be a little more. There's there's two storylines in this movie. Mm-hmm. There's a storyline about him being a hitman and not wanting to be a hitman, and then and trying to get out. Yeah, yep, and then there's a storyline about it's a romantic comedy line where he's trying to you know figure out how he can be with a girl that he's right. obsessed and, with because he has dreams. And grosser his is his is yep. one of his obstacles and because he, he's going to die if he doesn't say yes. Right, right but that's the hitman. Right, that's the hitman that's story. The hitman and story. then there's the him trying to get with the with um I can't remember her name character name Debbie with, De- with Debbie. There was. Like fifty percent of the A story and fifty percent of the B story, and there needed to be more of one than the other. There, like, it needed to be more of the hitman story, so that you had like more knowledge and maybe more action, mm-hmm. or more of the background of him right. on the hitman side. Or there needed to be, I'm just hitman trying to get out, and there needs to be more of a development about the two right. of them. And why, you know what I mean? It was, well, or, or it needed to be another 30 minutes long. Well, what I was thinking, because my, my question, I, I, I held it in because I was like pouncing, like wanted to pounce and ask, okay, it, it's her, right? She's the hit, right? Um, but we find out that the hit is her father instead. And I just don't feel like the stakes, because I was either, it's either Paul or it's Debbie that is his assignment. And, with the dad, I just didn't feel like the stakes were high enough, but it 
I don't know if it makes sense, but I just, I kind of felt like there was, yeah, it, it, it did add some emotional stakes because it was her dad, you know, my, my almost, you know, in-law, but I, I don't know. I just kind of felt like there was probably a better way to intertwine those two. Um, maybe, maybe if Paul would have been the Mark and then, um, right. or, or he pa- would have, he would have rescued him from mm-hmm. the other hitman at the, at the reunion. And then she could have seen it. You know what I mean? I think yeah. the, the end was, a, it was, it's a little disjointed. I almost thought that Paul was going to kind of double cross him or something like that, which would have been interesting. I think, I think Paul is too fucking scared to do anything <laughs> after they threw the body in the, in the furnace. Um, you know, I mean, I'm okay with what they did and what they wrote, but it just feels like it just to me, even though I really like this movie, they they spent so much time investing him trying to figure out what he was trying to do with Debbie that right. it drug it drug the Debbie storyline down. You, you know what I mean? Well, I also think what you had mentioned before, her being kind of hot and cold, like there it was, I'll say ostensibly because it was used so much in the Wikipedia one. But oh, I, I got to look that up. Hold uh, <laughs> it was, she doesn't want to, she wants to get back together with him. She's, she's in love with him, but she doesn't want to because she doesn't want to get hurt again. And while it makes sense narratively i didn't it didn't feel that way right it was just more light banter between the two of them it wasn't emotionally i didn't get that from her like i i don't know but i i i kind of feel like yeah there there, if they had maybe tied in the story where she was i mean not that she wasn't in danger in the end but it just it just didn't feel Right, high stakes. I I need to save her, and and that yeah, I've seen more longing out of him in his earlier films, Better Off Dead, and and things like that. So yeah. there's there's a there's a couple of things that I have. We're actually going to do, and I have questions. I have two week. or three questions. I, I have, have questions. I have a couple yeah. too. But I I I feel like that there's just a handful of things that. I think maybe they spent too much time tweaking things to meet their high school reunions instead of tweaking things for the story. Right. But I still, it's not like it's enough to take me out of it. I'm just kind of like, right. Eh, okay. The high school reunion scene, it, it felt like it dragged a little bit. Right. It, it, it was, did. it was a little boring. I mean, obviously you've got the, um, you've got some interesting, things with um you know Piven and some of the other supporting cast and of course you get to see Jenna Elfman long before she comes with Dharma right that was her that was actually her first appearance in a movie or a tv show oh really yeah so that yeah because Can't Hardly Wait was probably 2000s yeah you're right sure why not okay um I'm just telling you what IMDb told me I don't 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 kill the messenger (laughs) Yeah, and it's funny that, you know, we've got Jenna Elfman in it, and then the guy that plays Debbie's father, you know, played her father-in-law in in Darman and Greg. So, you know, a little bit of a cast, almost Uh, like... You know, again, that's what I was was getting at with the, they should have done a little more of A or B, because you could have, there was a lot of things that they did in the the reunion that were fun. You know, like um, him, like Jeremy Piven, like hitting on the girl 
and then you know she just walks by. Oh, you're just gonna walk by me? Is that that's how this is? You know, and right. And then and, they dance. They're, right. they're dancing, they're dancing together later. later. You get the kind of the. Um, it's really the moment where I think that John, the John Cusack character realizes that he is he want, he's going to be out when he's holding the baby. Mm-hmm. You know that I mean that there's a lot of things there that, that that are necessary. But again, if you're going to put that in there, we needed to maybe focus a little bit more on that side of it, or put another mm-hmm. 20 minutes into the movie. Right. Well, I mean, he, I that that's a good point with him with holding the baby because you kind of get this look on his face and you're looking at the baby and and all that. But there there might have been a moment where you know he walks away and maybe has a little bit of a panic attack or something like that, right? To see him struggling with this whole thing, right? right. Because when he's alone, it's it's safe enough for him to to get a little bit more. It's just it's just gotta know, worry about taking care of yourself, right? Exactly. Yep. D- you know the, the whole John Cusack stuff, but um, I feel too that um, you know the two NSA agents, Hank Azaria and and the. Um, the other actor who they were very good. They were very funny together. They had that great back and forth and that scene with them in the bathroom waiting for him to so do funny. something wrong. And then that's when you find out that grocer has basically put them on their scent, but they have to, they have to acknowledge or witness him. Right. Doing exactly. It they they, him, you know, yeah. still abiding by their rules and grocer gets upset and stuff like that. But the, that's a really good scene. But the fact that they, you know, for lack of a better term, get wasted so quickly, I kind of felt disappointed by that, too. I, I thought it was funny. Really? I, I absolutely. It was hysterical. It, that you me, thought that they were going to be the, 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 what do you call it? The, the Calvary. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I did. And then when I saw it the first time, I was like, holy. I mean, I don't even think they, did they even take their guns out? I don't think so. It was like, hey, I we're here. Would... Oh, we're dead. I just, <laughs> it was just, because that because they both were sitting in the car going, I can't wait to kill that fucker. Yeah. You know what I, mean? <laughs> I can't wait. And they walk up and they're like, la da da, trick or treat. No, no shit. It was just, it was just, it was, it was just, okay. it was, it was just a, a twist. Right, I'll buy you, that because you didn't expect it. You expected, oh, the cops are going to take care of this, right? There's something <laughs> going to happen. They're going to, they're going to take out Grocer, or, and then it's just like, and Dan Aykroyd when he shoots the both of them, absolutely kills me. The way he's doing it and his look on his face, he is like a child that had just had a four-hour birthday party on a bouncy house with a slip and slide and cotton candy the look on his face is just like he is just so giddy it cracks me up every time I yeah and it, it, it's almost it's he's throughout it you're like this guy's a dick this guy's a dick okay that's funny that's funny that's funny but at the end you know when john cusack's character goes upstairs and, and to check on them and to propose to debbie in the middle of all this shit um, you hear him downstairs quoting Revelation, mm-hmm. and you're like, "What the fuck?" Yeah, <laughs> that is now that's dark. It is dark. <laughs> it is dark. But I mean, it's a dark profession. Yes, and I I would imagine that you would have to have some type of weird ass sense of humor to not be. You, you like, I mean, if you're gonna be a hitman and you don't want to listen to Depeche Mode twenty four seven. You're going to have to have some sort of a good sense of humor because you're going to be like, hey, I just blew that guy off his bike with a 357. Corn dogs? Yeah. Corn dogs, anyone? Corn dogs? Oh. What um, was interesting that I did find out is the person, I have a cat 
That's messing with my microphone. Unbelievable. Go oh, away. Brody, come on. Get down. It's not two o'clock in the morning. You don't need to stand on us. Yeah. <laughs> the the person who played uh, Felix La Poubelle. Mm-hmm. Okay, which is the which is a funny story in and of itself, yes. right? Storyline because the reason that La Poubelle is after blank is that he botched uh, a job the assassin and he accidentally killed his client's dog so la poubelle is after him because he's got him as assignment because the guy's pissed off yes um he is um cusack's kickboxing instructor kickboxing instructor yes um i guess he started working with him for say anything because kickboxing was the wave of the future the sport of the future or whatever i can't remember the, the exact line from that movie um, but they had been working for years, so they got to actually work together on film, which yeah. is yeah, and, and that was a pretty good fight scene. I mean, I thought that was a very fun fight scene. Uh, it was d- different, mm-hmm. but you know, still, I still fun. Yeah, plus, you knew the pen was going to come into play as soon you, as he was given the pen. The pen is mightier than the sword. <laughs> but. Yeah. Wah, wah, wah. Oh come on. <laughs> I laughed. I, I, I finally, laughed. I finally get to pull something from literature that I actually know what it means, and you're going to make fun of me? The penis mightier than the sword. The penis mightier, Alex, for 200. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Um, so, of course, we have Joan Cusack in this thing. Yeah. Who? Who is a national treasure. She. Oh, my God. Love her. Yeah. Love uh, she's, her. She's one of my favorites. America's favorite best friend. She is so fun. Yeah. Yeah, she is. She is. And, you know, it's so funny because there are very few roles I can think of where she's not playing the best friend character. Um, What's the one with Kate Hudson where she has to... I don't watch Kate Hudson movies. I'm kidding. I don't know. Uh, Who's the other one I'm thinking of? Who's the one that... the, the I don't think it's Kate. It might be Kate Hudson, the one who does all the romantic comedies that are like below average. There's quite a few. Maybe Reese Witherspoon. No. Um, Julie Roberts. No, we'll talk about it later. Okay. We, we just. Um, I can't remember the name of the, the movie, but it's Kate Hudson's sister dies, and she has she's appointed guardian of the kids, the three kids, and Joan Cusack pay, plays like the oldest sister, who. Can't understand why, because she's the responsible one and all that. But I think the best thing she was given um, was that to actually be a love interest, right, in School of Rock. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just like the way we know. Yeah. Yep. So that was, it's it's good to see her kind of playing roles that aren't the best friend, but she's always kind of the best friend in these things. Right. But she's still, she's so cute. She's she's. I adore her. She's one of those rare people, in my opinion, that she has the ability to be very good in a serious role. Mm-hmm. She has the ability to be extremely funny. Mm-hmm. And she always seems to be super comfortable with not being at the forefront. Mm-hmm. She's she's the she's like the A-list supporting character, f- supporting feet or, you know, uh, a supporting fe- f- female supporting actor. What do they right. call it? But even though. She seems one note. She's not. She can. She can be crazy. She can be serious. I. I just enjoy uh, her having her in a movie. 
Yeah, I mean, she's 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 very good. I think like the the maybe the the potentially younger equivalent to her is um, oh my god, what's her? I can't think of her name now. Oh, her, yeah. Who's the redhead that does the voice in Archer? Judy is it Judy, Judy Greer? Judy Greer, yeah. yeah. Like she and Judy yeah. Greer are like America's perpetual best friend character. Yes, yes. So. Except for Halloween. Yeah. But she was good in it. She was good in that. She's like she's always good in like the, yeah. the two of them. They're like they're people you'd want to go have a glass of wine or a beer with and kind of hang out and they're they're just very accessible personalities. So I agree. Love her. Love her. Yes. All right. You got anything or wanna take a break? Yeah, we can take a break. All right. All right, cool. I need a break. We'll be back in about four hours. Give me a nap. Oh, uh, okay. Hey guys, this is Greg. And this is Mike. And we are the hosts of the Top 5 for Fighting podcast. It is really a laid-back podcast where we talk about pretty much anything we want to talk about. Movies, fun, fun, movies. And more fun, sports, movies. And this really started with me and Greg getting in trouble talking about this exact stuff at work. So if you want to hang out with your buddies, have a good time and talk about stuff that you're going to talk about anyway, come, come, come hang out with us. It's like an evening hanging out with your buddies. Except we're not able to share our beer because you're not here. We are available on Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, and iTunes. Look us up. You'll be glad you did. All righty. We are back. I only took a three and a half hour nap, folks. <laughs> a three hour nap. Three and a half. I have a drink now, too, so I'm special. <laughs> are you special? No. Or are you I, just well, like my me? Mommy, my mommy says I'm special. <laughs> <laughs> I know the last time I saw her, she gave me a new box of crayons. So, <laughs> in your face. In my face. Okay. All right. What's up next? Well, can you believe? No. That Cusack took a political approach to this film. Yes, he did. Oh, so you know. A little bit. Yeah, he saw it as an allegory for the Reagan Bush years. Yeah. He says that I grew up fascinated by people in the Reagan administrations, their ethics, their mercenary values. People who plan wars and then go home to their wives and kids. How do they live? To me, gross point blank was a metaphor for the people in the Bush White House. Elsewhere, he described the movie as a black comedy about the American dream, the win at all costs personality you see every day. A tongue in cheek look at the American value system. Yeah, I kind of have to disagree with him on that a little bit, but I think, you know, yeah. my stance is a little bit different than most Hollywood liberals' stance. So Yeah, that's true. That's true. I mean, I, I, I see what he's saying. I'm mm-hmm. not discounting it, but, I mean, it's literally the function of the president and the vice president and the secretaries of state to make sure that we get that stuff taken care of the proper way. So, I mean, it, it's... There's a reason. There's a reason that when men go into the White House, they don't look the same when they come out. You know, there's they they, they look like they've aged eighty years and six months. A yeah. little bit more haggard. So it's yeah. not. It's. Yeah. I mean, I understand what he's saying, uh, and I can respect what he's saying, but I mean, right. it's no different than a soldier. Which which is probably why he told the people behind you know Cusack for president to to, yeah. to stop. Let's not. Yeah. <laughs> 
I have got to maintain my looks. They are my meal ticket. <laughs> they I be li- my bread and butter. If I go to be president and I end up walking out of there looking like Bill Clinton did, I'm in trouble. <laughs> what is interesting about this film, especially since it was 1998 when it came out, right? 97. April 11th, 1997. 97. Okay, so we're 20 years now into this? 23. 23. Um, maybe. Maybe in a couple of years we get to see this. When they filmed it, Armitage, who's the director, basically said they shot three movies simultaneously. Yes. Right? Um, one stuck to the script, one was mildly understated, and one that was completely over the top. Uh, it was usually the third version that they used for the cuts. So that means there are other, at least two alternate versions of this film. And they have never released the alternate takes. Well, it, it, yeah, but that doesn't mean there's... I see what you're saying. Right. There's not three versions of the film. There's three takes of each scene. Right. The question is, did those takes get edited in and if they were edited, weren't edited in, were they saved? Right. Um, one of the things, you know, Full Metal Jacket is a good ex- example of that type of movie. Kubrick and the way he shoots, he multiple has, takes. He has fin- so many, mul- yeah, yeah, so many multiple takes. Uh, but you never get to see him because if it doesn't make the final cut of his film, he destroys them. So I don't, you know, and with with Armitage being deceased, well, Armit. Ar- no, it's not Armitage. It, it, Armitage is oh, the still writer, alive. The writer was deceased. So um, the fact that Armitage says it means that they probably still have it. So it'd be Possibly. kind of good if they do like a tw- if they did a 25th anniversary release to see some of these alternate takes. Yeah, to, it, to, to, uh, to see the choices 20, that were made. 2022 would be 25 years. Yeah. So that'd be cool. Yeah, maybe. Keep hoping. I I think I think it should be a standard practice that a movie has to have a gag reel on a DVD. <laughs> gag reel anything. Yeah. Anything. So oops. What are you doing? You come into my office, you knock shit around. Uh, sorry. Throwing stuff on the floor. Maybe that's cursing second, at me. Second drink was ill advised. Uh, maybe. maybe. Holy crap. Woo. Give me the keys, lady. Give me the keys. Oh, thank God I'm not going anywhere. Oh, okay. then it shouldn't bother you to give me the keys. <laughs> yeah. So which, which would you like to do next? Would you like to do I Have Questions or would you like to do Box Office? Are we done discussing the movie? I, I've got m- most of my notes kind of covered. I mean, do you have anything else? Yeah. I mean, this was your choice. So, you know, well, well, let me let me go back because I, I didn't ask you a couple questions that I normally do ask you in the beginning. Okay. Uh, when did you first see this film? Did you see it when it came out, or was it no, later? I, like I a saw video? it. On, I saw it on video, DVD, probably like ninety eight, ninety nine, something like that. Okay, all right. Actually, it's probably a little bit later than that. It might have been, might have been after. It might have been when I was single, so it might have been like two thousand, two thousand one. Okay, all right. So, what is it about this film that makes it? I mean, you say you got supered a little bit, so so talk about that I a did, little bit. I didn't and, remember. I didn't remember the. It's it's a little slow with him and Mini Driver. It, okay. It, there's there's a lot of there's a lot of setup there that I understand the setup, uh, but I like I said a little more A or a little more B is what we were, what we kind of needed. Um, other than that, I still really like the movie. Don't worry about them. They're just they're just being assholes. Oh, okay. Talking about, we're talking about the cats. If you can't gentlemen. hear the yeah. cats meowing in the background, yeah. they they're, um, they like to fight each other. So. Uh, 
I wasn't disappointed or anything. Uh, so I, I, I wasn't supered in a way that like when we watched the super, we kind of looked at each other three quarters away and you had that look on your face and I'm like, yeah, I'm sorry. You know what I mean? <laughs> like I said to you with the attack yeah. of the killer tomatoes. Yes. Okay. I don't, I don't feel that way about this movie. I just don't, uh, you know, being a little bit older and it's not a movie that I watch a lot. It's not my heavy rotation. I just like it. Okay. Uh, so I just, I, I mean, it's cute. It's I didn't a cute remember, film. I didn't remember it as much. Uh, it's just, I think the thing that drew me to this movie was I really, I really enjoy the performances from the characters. Mm-hmm. There's not really anybody in this movie that when they come on the screen, I go, ugh. I mean, think about it. In this movie, you're bouncing from John Cusack to Joan Cusack to Alan Arkin to Minnie Driver to mm-hmm. Dan Aykroyd to Hank Azaria to Jeremy Piven to. I mean, those are those are names that everybody knows, and they all kind of have the ability to be the same character. You know, Jeremy Piven, he's he's well, kind of a sarcastic asshole type guy, but I mean he 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 nails it. And then Well, Jeremy Piven doesn't really I don't think deviate too much from who he is in any character. He doesn't need to. Yeah, he's just it's just Jeremy Pivenus that yeah. you know that the yeah. generals. So. No, I, I I agree. He's he he's got the one note, but he does the one note very well, and I think it's funny. So to to bounce through that the, the way that they did, and then to have the really good action scenes, I thought the action scenes were really good. Um, and then just have you have the out of the just the out of the box things that make this funny, and I see why they call it a dark comedy. For instance, the scene. In the the Ultimart, just <laughs> yeah. it's it's that that's, that's it's place a re- blown up. Yeah, a ridiculous, okay. over the top gunfight with in, a guy in the least a, likely of places. Yeah, right? yeah, in a in a in a, in a supermarket or in a, in a convenience store with a guy playing a video game that never existed because okay. he was playing a Doom Two video game, but Doom Two was never in in, in like that. It was for computers. Okay, um, and they destroy this place with a bomb, and the the at the end, he's like, are you okay? And the answer is, no, man, I got to find a new job. You know, you're like, that's not what you were expecting this guy to say. Yeah, going there was kind of um, interesting. And, and um, uh, in the scene at the end where he's fighting off Grocer and his goons. Right. And he shoots the one guy in the kitchen. But to accentuate it, he takes a cast iron frying pan and he's just wailing on the guy when he's laying on the floor. Now, you can't see it. All you, you just like... You've already shot this guy like four times. I don't think you need to hit him. The, the we double tap. Yeah, you know. I mean, well, you've already double tapped him twice. Um, you know the the scene that we talked about with the federal agents, like, oh, we're gonna get this guy, and they're dead. You're like, oh, well, that wasn't that wasn't that wasn't what I I see going on there. You know what I mean? It's just right. there's there's a lot of funny moments. Uh, you, you just killed a guy in a school. And you now have the ability to wrap him up in a spirit banner. Go team! And your best friend, who didn't believe that you were a hitman, helps you throw him into the furnace. There's just a lot of. I see where they get the dark humor thing. Yeah. Oh yeah. I, I, but it just there's a lot of things in this movie that I enjoy, and I'm surprised I didn't get a little more of a reaction from some of those things from you. But I, that's, no, I thought that's it, was, where it was. I thought it was good. It was entertaining. I think you probably need a second watch to really kind of catch all those things. I mean, it, it was. I don't think it's a bad movie by any means. Um, I think it's, you know, obviously you've got some very charming people in it. So it's, 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 
I don't want to say it's cute because it's a dark comedy, but kind of the love story component of it was cute. Um, some very light touches to a dark subject. So yeah, I mean, it's it's. I wouldn't call it a supered. No, no, I, 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 I did I, it, it just wasn't. I had it at like a ninety-eight. And when I get done with it, I'm like, okay, it's at like a 90. You know what I mean? I mean, I'm still... <laughs> Changing my Rotten yeah, Tomatoes score. Still, def- still definitely, I'm not sad that I own it at all. Uh, I'm not disappointed that I picked it. They're just sometimes when... You, and you know what? There's different... You what, you see things differently in different times of your life, too. I mean, if I literally watched this movie, the last time I watched it was probably 10 years ago. I, I, I haven't watched that movie since we've been together. So really? That's, yeah, that's like, what, six months, right? <laughs> So, you 12 know, some yeah. odd years. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's more than that. It's well, like 14. No, it's not 14. <laughs> we went through this before. <laughs> this year's our 13th anniversary. Yes. Okay. Oh, we, that's right. We lived yeah, together we had... for a year before we got married. No. In we... sin. We lived in sin. We lived in it was sin. Less than it was a year. So much fun. <laughs> <laughs> we lived together for maybe six months April, May, June, July, August, September. Yeah, but we months. dated for like three weeks before you moved. To yeah, Florida. we did. We we dated for three whole weeks. So, but still, so it's so I, so I haven't really watched this movie in fifteen years, and you know, you you grow up and things change. I I again, I I don't have any issues or problems about this movie. I just remembered it being a little more fluid than than I saw it this time. Yeah, there's some awkwardness to it. I would well, I would just agree. some some dragginess. Yeah, when you've got two story storylines like that. There's no need for it to be slow at any point. But, you know, no worries. Right, right. Okay, all right. So, you want to do box office or I have questions? I guess we can do box office. All right, then we'll go into I have questions. Okay, you'll have to give me a second while I find the I have box office. All right, Gross Point Blank was released April 11th, uh, 1997. Uh, it had a budget of I don't know because it wasn't available. It did twenty eight million dollars, twenty eight million eighty four thousand three hundred fifty seven dollars. It was the number seventy three movie of nineteen ninety seven. Coming in just behind Mouse Hunt. Woof. What was Mouse Hunt? I don't remember, even remember. the Nathan Lane movie where he was in the house and he had the mouse. Oh God! You don't remember that. The budget it says um, for Rotten, I think it's Rotten Tomatoes. It says fifteen million. That's saying that seems fair. So not a monster hit. Um, it came in behind Fools Rush In and Romy and Michelle's High School Reunion and Out to Sea. Is that the one with the guy who plays Data? What the hell's his name? I can't think. Wasn't out to see. Um, it was, wasn't it? It cl- was a. It was no, a. No, it was Jack Lemon and um, Jack Lemon and Walter Matthau. Yeah, yeah. But also the bad guy in that was the guy who yes. played Data. Yes. Um. What the hell's his name? Brent Spiner. Brent Spiner. Yeah. Yes. Uh, the number one movie of the year was Men in Black. Number two was The Lost World, Jurassic Park. Number three was Liar Liar, Air Force One, and Star Wars Episode Four: A New Hope, the 1997 special edition. Um. Wow, check this out. Titanic was released on December 19th of 1997. So it was out it was in theaters for 3 weeks in uh-huh. 1997. It was the number 7 movie. Made 100 and 
112 million dollars. Anyway, it opened. It had a six million dollar opening weekend. That's I had expect that out of this movie at that point. I, I think that I mean, 15 million to 28 million. It only makes 13 million. Plus, it had a soundtrack, so I don't know who, how much the soundtrack made, but most likely, and it you know what, it had a pretty solid soundtrack. Pretty solid, yeah. Yeah, I, there's a I'm, lot I'm, of songs on there that I wouldn't mind having on my uh, on my uh, playlist here little, on Spotify. Little, but little violent femmes, English beat, the Clash, Johnny Nash, Guns and Roses. Uh, that was classic. Pete Townsend. That was amazing, though. Living when that he went from he went from hearing "Live and Let Die" in his car to when he walked into the Ultimart to hearing the Muzak version of <laughs> "Live and Let Die." Yeah, that was pretty funny. And it was the same. It, it picked up right where it left off. I thought that was. There's just a. You're right. When you watch a movie the first time, it's hard to catch everything because you're right. engrossed in the story. Actually, there were two. There were two soundtracks. That makes sense. That was a lot of songs. More music from the film. Yeah. If you did that now, you'd make like thirty cents. <laughs> all right so you have questions yeah you do yours first all right this is a this is a segment of the show that we've kind of neglected the last couple we kind of have because it's been hard to have questions with some of the films that we've had because the films have been so kind of way out there that it's hard to to put a sense of weight in reality that would ask you to you yeah, know that, that to... would cause you to ask the questions because the whole point of this is you suspend your disbelief when you're watching a play or a tv show or a movie because that's the nature of it but the i have questions stuff would take you out of it or later on you'd be like wait a minute so hard to have questions about team america i'm gonna get right, this right. in uh, killer tomatoes exactly exactly so here's my question. You have um, the storyline, which I kind of felt was a little draggy too, um, about his mother being um, in this mental institution, right? And mm-hmm. the fact that he's been sending her money. She isn't able to keep her house. Um, so they buy the land or they get the land and they build this convenience store. So how is it that his high school reunion committee can track him down and send him an invitation but the people who are trying to care for his mother and are receiving the money cannot because he had no idea she was in this institution. He had no idea that the money was, you know, he had anything. So how, you know, I'd find the person who was on the high school reunion committee and hire that person because obviously research is really important in these kind of hitman roles because. I would like to say to that question, I don't want to play this game anymore. Why? I'm just kidding. I mean, that's that's legitimate. I mean, there's there's yeah. no way he would have gotten it. Right. There's there's no way he would have gotten it because right. nobody nobody throughout the whole movie knew where he was or what he had done. Right. Nobody. Fair. I, that. Those are the there's 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 several little things in this movie, mm-hmm. and those are some of my questions too. So go for it. Okay. Um, so my other question is, and maybe this speaks to the mini driver character, the Debbie character, when. He is talking to her and explaining why he left, right? Because he just leaves on prom night. He doesn't even show up for graduation. That's it. He said that he realized he wanted to kill. So he took off and he joined the army. I'm sorry, but if you're any self-respecting person and somebody says that to you, that's your potential love interest, I realized I wanted to kill, so I went off to the army and learned how, you know, I don't remember him saying that I realized I wanted to kill. Yeah, that's what he says he to did. her. He did, okay. Yeah. Uh, I would be like, okay, sorry, no thanks. 
but so that's more of a character thing okay. for me but it's problematic in my book but okay i'm me so that's that well they're both kind of broken anyway broken people you know and the fact getting that, together is and it's not it, a good thing it's probably it's probably one of those situations where she's romanticized what her life would have been with him for reals. You right, know what I mean? For reals. And he is like still obsessed with her. So you're willing to overlook the fact that. Yeah. I don't think this ends well. I, I <laughs> that's what I was going to, that's what I was kind of getting at. I mean, they're in a car, they're driving away. You know, you, you know, right. you know that this guy is a hitman, and you know that there are people that are trying to kill him. Right. And he's leaving his line of business, which right. means that he can't live off the grid. But it's not so. At what point is your dad gonna have a hit out on him? You, you, I mean, right, so right, right, right. Things. And it's not like she's like been effectively adulting for ten years because she's still living in daddy's house, you know. And well, she's do. I mean, the if job I had the is opportunity perf- to live in my dad's house. I would too. I mean, fuck. right. I don't know. I don't think she owns the radio station, so DJs don't make that much money. So it's not like they're. Uh, I don't know. It's not true. It's nineteen ninety-seven. DJs still made fat ass cash. <laughs> No, I, I know. Uh, what, I know what you're saying. It's, but hey, it is a it is a dark comedy. To to be fair, it's mm-hmm. a dark comedy because, you know, there's probably no reason that two of them should have been together. And you're right. There's no reason that after everything that they went through and her understanding what's going down, that she should have been like, you know what, that's the guy for me. But all yeah. right. So I had a question which I went off and answered by myself, but I figured I would share it with you. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. they kill. The assassin at the high school reunion, or he kills the assassin that's after him at the high school reunion, and he and Jeremy, Jeremy Piven take it off to the boiler room and throw it into the furnace. And I'm thinking, somebody's going to find something very unpleasant when they come in on Monday morning. Mm-hmm. Because an industrial furnace would not be hot enough to completely cremate that body. No, you still have bones. So, because an industrial, yeah, you're right. An industrial furnace gets up to about 400 degrees max. A cremation furnace, you need to be at least 1400 to 1800 degrees. Correct. To to cremate a body. So, that's kind of dark. Well, it is kind of dark, but uh, but here's the other thing. On the other hand, um, if somebody comes in and finds that on Monday, first of all. First of all, it's 1997. Is that a gas furnace? I mean, does it fire itself? Does somebody have to come in and put stuff into it? Is it a coal furnace? So if it's a gas furnace and it feeds itself, no one's going to know anything until there's a problem with the furnace, number one. Okay, you are correct. There's going to be bones left. There's going to be a num- smell. <laughs> that That's the second thing. You would think that somebody would probably smell the body burning. Right. Um. It would take probably so long to figure out who it was. They wouldn't be able to really pinpoint when it happened. They wouldn't have like any medical records because this guy's an assassin. It's not like he's you know right. down at Jerry Olm Dodge and you can just pull the person. You're you're right. I think the per the whole point of that was to just get the body to make the body disappear. Is it a perfect cover-up? No, it's not like you took him down to the Everglades and threw him off the side of the road. But I see, I see what you're saying. I've always wondered, wouldn't somebody smell that? Yeah. Because basically, you're taking that heat and you're blowing it through the whole school, right? Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Go team, go. All right. 
Okay, mine will be uh, piggybacking on your army thing. Okay. So I'm going to go out with you on Friday. Okay. okay mm-hmm. I'm going I'm, I'm to paint you a picture. All right. I'm going to go paint out with. Me the picture. I'm going to go out with you on Friday. We've been we've been going out together for uh, for two years. And I'm in my $1,800 dress, which is another question: Who pays $1,800 or $800 for a well, prom dress? Somebody who's as in rich the, as her daddy in the 80s. Yeah, somebody who's as rich as her daddy. Um, so we're going to go out on Friday. And uh, I don't show up. And when you see me 10 years later, I tell you, hey, I just I decided I wanted to kill and I joined the army. Does anybody know how long it takes to actually join the army and leave? I mean, you don't just walk down there and go, hey, I'm ready to go. And they go, oh, hop on a bus. Mm-hmm. It, 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 yeah. takes, it takes a couple months. Right. Minimum, it takes a couple months because you have to undergo testing and there's background checks and blah, 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 and hibbity-dibbity and boop, blah, blah. It's not like, you know, they come and seize you in the middle of the night. So I thought that that was kind of weak. I um, thought it should have been. I just I had to I had to go. And how long was it between him enlisting, going through boot camp, getting an assignment, doing all these things where he becomes so specialized in the army of all places? Right. It's not like he's a first couple of weeks of the military is all about green they, beret. They, I mean, no, they give you a whole bunch of different tests. Okay. And they find out like things that you're good at. Like one of the tests that we took when we first went in was a coding test, meaning that you can like solving puzzles or things like that. And what it's supposed to be is it, it's okay. supposed to be, so you're, can decode. You're, yeah, you're really smart at this. And I knew I didn't want to do that. So I failed it. I, I Christmas treated. I didn't even try because that wasn't what I wanted to do. But if you have a propensity for that, they can look at that and say, hey, this guy just destroyed this test. We need to further evaluate him. So to be a, a hitman, whether you're in the CIA or the Army or in real life, there's a certain mental capacity that you have to have. They probably picked up on that in the psych tests mm-hmm. because you get several. You know what I mean? I mean, that, that part doesn't bother me. The part that bothers me is like, we were supposed to go to prom tomorrow night, but I decided today that I just want to go in the Army, so I'm out. That's just not how it works. Okay, um, the scene where he rescues the father. Okay. And he's driving down the road. So Dan Aykroyd's in a van with four guys. There's four guys in this van, and he has a sniper rifle. And they're sitting perpendicular to the road, and he's got this sniper rifle with his high-powered scope. First of all, why did he need four guys? Right. Okay. Secondly, you could have done something that was a little less high profile Conspicuous, and yeah. just stuck it out the back the back door of a of a window right. instead of sitting in the middle of the road with this well, big ass black A team van with your rifle sticking out the side door. If I'm running down the street, I'm sure you're getting to this point. If I'm running down the street and I see a van parked that way, I'm yeah. going to be suspicious. That's I'm, uh, that's kind of where I'm getting but not yeah. where I'm getting. So he's got this high powered rifle that will probably shoot a mile, a mile and a half. And he sees him and before he can Side in on him with this high-powered scope as a trained professional hitman. He's not that good. Cusack is able to drive up in his van, in his car, mm-hmm. and say, get in, get in, get in, and turn around and get away before Aykroyd even fires a shot. And what kills me is he says to the dad, get down, and one fire is shot, and he still doesn't get down. <laughs> well, that, I think get that's supposed to be... Get the fuck down. I think that's supposed to be for humor. <laughs> My third question... Is at the beginning of the story, it opens up with uh, uh, Cusack killing mm-hmm. somebody. Right. And his contract is, and he says, My contract was the guy on the bike. I didn't know that there was going to be another hitman. Right. So there's a guy driving down the road on a bicycle that's going to shoot somebody. 
And Cusack shoots the guy that's going to shoot somebody. Right. And after that, Grocer, Dan Aykroyd, comes out and shoots the guy who was going to be shot by the guy on the bicycle. I know that's a lot to follow it's if you sabotage. haven't seen the movie. Who hired the hitman to kill the hitman? I don't know. So if the people, if the guy that got killed had hired John Cusack to kill the hitman because they knew that there was a hit coming, because right. they knew everything, the guy was on a bicycle, Cusack was prepared for it, why didn't they just be prepared to... You see or not getting? have the guy at the place well, where he was. Yes. Yeah, yeah, you're right. You're, that makes sense. Weird. Yeah, it's very weird. And, you know, obviously, because they showed it in the second botched... Uh, assassination when he's trying to like put the poison in the guy's mouth in the middle of the night while he's sleeping and the guy moves and he has to you know guy wakes up and he has to run downstairs and, and shoot him you know once the, the the protocol appears to be you know once you've acquired your target you get the hell out of dodge and so yeah would it wouldn't make sense that the guy still got killed because he was aware of that target but yeah got it but I mean, if they maybe they were looking to like have the evidence that somebody was doing that, uh, who knows? But yeah. why would you put you know whoever you're trying to protect in that amount of danger? Yeah, don't know. All right, good question. Is that all I got? That's all I have. Yeah, that's pretty much all I got too. Okay. All right. So the next thing that we usually do. Ooh, excuse me. Next thing that you, we usually do is our top three favorite moments of the film. Yep. Do you want to go first? Nope. You don't? You can go. All right. Do you want me to go first? No, I could go first. Okay. That's fine. Uh, I have a feeling we're probably going to overlap, but I don't think that's a bad thing. So I did like the fact that when we mentioned this before where he is getting ready for the reunion and he's talking to himself in the mirror and he's trying to rehearse what he says he's going to do when he's kind of, it's very manic, um, you know, classic John Cusack. So he says, I'm a pet psychiatrist. I sell couch insurance on the weekends. I lead a men's group that, uh, specializes in ritual killings. Yeah. Which is actually kind of true. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought that that was a funny line. Yeah. So I like that. Um, the scene in the diner where him and Aykroyd are facing off so good. is, is very well done. It's very, it's, it's amusing. It's, it's very, very funny. Um, his interaction with the waitress when she's trying to tell him that's not an omelet. <laughs> I just want protein. <laughs> um, and I think any scene, any scene with Joan Cusack in this film, okay. I adore. I think she does just a very good job. I, I think especially, where she's on the phone and she's arguing with this arms person that she needs to get whatever it is that she needs and she needs it. and she's swearing at him and she's like super tough and then she's got to switch to the other thing and she's like talking about I don't know if it's a recipe or like plans for a family dinner or something like that. Yes. It completely switches. That was really, really good. That was yeah. really funny. Okay. My number three was in the shootout in the Ultimart. After the guy had ran out and he was hiding behind the microwave and he realized that there was like a potato bomb. Potato bomb. The look on his face. He was just like, oh, Jesus, I can't believe this. <laughs> and then he pulled like a Chandler move. Where he just, <laughs> ah, and he has to run out. Right. I, I and thought, then he's got to dive back yeah, in and grab the other yeah, guy. <laughs> I thought that was very funny. Um, my second one is Dan Aykroyd 
in the final scene of the house shootout. Where he gets a TV in the face? Just him standing up with the big smile on his face, <laughs> shooting the two guns and the dialogue back and forth between the two of them. And then he gets hit with, a, with a, the TV. That, I thought that was really funny. My number one was when uh, Joan Cusack's character was torching the place. When she was preparing to torch the place, she's running around the office with a headset on, talking on the phone, slinging gasoline, smoking a cigarette. <laughs> smoking a cigarette. And she was about to burn like millions in cash. It was just, it just, it was so funny that to me that they had her smoking the cigarette. Yeah. Someone who's a, a technically she's a, a, a badass, but I, she is that, a badass. That, that's, that's what yeah. I, those, those were my favorite parts. All right. Would you watch this again? Yeah, I'd watch it again. I'd watch it again. Holy shit, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> it's a first on the show. No, it's not. No, <laughs> you lie. It's a second on the show. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm glad you enjoyed it. Yeah, it was, it was, it was cute. It was really cute. All right. All right. So. What were you going to have me watch? Oh, I... See, when you start out with, oh, <laughs> I, I don't even, I don't even want to know. Well, you know, we, had, I, jump I had told you that I was going to hold off on watching horror movies oh, until me. it was, you know, closer to Halloween. However, I, you know, I have a list of movies that I would like for you to see, and what I wanted you to see um, is not available on streaming without having to pay for it. So I, I'm not gonna have you pay for this movie. Um, so well, then you can pay for it. <laughs> um, it still goes on your card, baby. Um, so I thought, you know, I, I went kind of went through the list to see what was on streaming at no charge, and I went on Netflix and I saw this was still on Netflix. So I figured we better do it before they take it off Netflix. So I am going to have you watch. Um, the witch. Oh, God. The vitch. God damn it. The VV itch. All right. All right. Um, it, it's a good movie. Sure it is. But it's, you know, I, I, I know it's probably going to leave you with a feeling like, oh, yeah. The witch is the same person that did Hereditary, right? No. The witch is the same the, person the who did The Life. Robert, yeah. Um, Ari Aster did Midsommar and, and Hereditary. Robert Eggers did The Witch and The Lighthouse. Um, the witch is... I, I think you're you're gonna find it to be a good movie, whether it's gonna leave you because it 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 definitely was something that I walked away with that was like it's a lot to take in, but it's very good. Okay. All right. So, well all right. The witch it is. I all mean right. we said we'd do horror movies for two months. I guess that wasn't enough. <laughs> I just didn't wanna like add more to the the cost of this because we just do this for fun where you're not doing this for money we don't have a patreon we don't have any sponsors so you know trying to trying to keep the the non-existent budget in mind baby okay all right works for me okay so next episode the witch the vivich <sighs> vivich I've heard a lot of people talk about this movie, and there's a this this movie has quite the following. So yeah, it's um, Eggers does a lot of work in in terms of filmmaking. So I, I I I do hope you appreciate it. Okay. Okay. All right. So hey, I didn't care for Hereditary, but I did appreciate it. So that's, that's true. the whole point, right? That's true. 
Okay. I, I, I. Okay, so this is the point in the podcast where I say to you, if you would like to follow us, uh, we are on social media, uh, and I am. Uh, this whole COVID thing has just had me in such a a funk. Maybe maybe that's the best word for it. So I really haven't done a whole lot on social media lately. I'm going to do my best to be a little bit better at that, as well as be a little bit better for you as well to do social media for for your other podcast, Top Five Providing. Uh, but I would, if you want to follow us, um, we are, our handle is at Honey Watch This on both Instagram and Twitter. Uh, we also have a Facebook account if you'd like to follow us there. Uh, we, you can find us on uh, Honey, you should watch this.podbean.com if you'd like to see a full list of our episodes. You can subscribe to us uh, pretty much anywhere where you find podcasts. So that's Stitcher, that's Spotify, that's iHeartRadio, that is Apple Podcast, and that's Google. Um, if you are listening to us on Apple Podcasts, please uh, rate and review. Um, that helps people find us. Um, I thank everybody who has been listening to us lately. We've got another kind of bump a little bit this this week um, in listen. So um, thank you all. We really appreciate that. If you would like to um, let us know what you would like us to talk about, if you want us to, to watch a particular film, you can always slide into our DMs on any one of our social media channels. Um, if you do another podcast specifically, you know, specifically if you do one about film, We'd love to talk to you. If you want to uh, guest with us, um, you can definitely suggest a film for us to do and we can uh, have you call in and we can uh, do the do a podcast together. Um, we are trying to hopefully um, work with our friend uh, Richard Alexander um, to for ha- him to come on um, and talk about Hamilton um, on Disney+. Plus. I know um, that was a big deal at the beginning of this month, so... Be nice to talk about that because Richard does have a history um, background, t- teaching history, and he's also a lawyer. So it'd be an interesting take from him. Um, and then we're going to try to see if we can get a few other friends that do other podcasts or some of our other friends to come on and talk to us. So You know, friends that pick classic movies like Velocipaster. <laughs> Velocipaster was awesome. It was, a, it was, you know what? When Sarah picked that, I was like, you got to be fucking kidding me. <laughs> and we had so much fun watching about that, watching that movie and, and talking, talking about, about it. it. Yeah. I mean, it's the most, it's a, it's the two most fun hours I've ever had in the closet. So. <laughs> All right. So, um, honey, let's tell them about your other podcast and where they might find you. Uh, it's top five for fighting. You can find us just about anywhere. Podcasts are sold. Sold. Um, <laughs> uh, I came up with that when I was running yesterday. Um, <laughs> Uh, it's just a couple of guys that talk about all kinds of stuff. We try and bring as many of our friends in as we can. We talk about sports, movies, uh, TV, comic books, uh, whatever. We it's just kind of whatever the mood strikes. Uh, we're not very serious on that. We are. We just we just look to have a good time and joke around. Uh, we have well, last week was our actually our seventieth episode, so we have a bunch of different topics. And at the end of each show, we do a top five list. Like this week's top five list will be top five songs that make me turn the radio up. Silly things like that. All right. That's it. Okay. We're, we're, we're on Spotify and uh, Stitcher and what are the other ones? Uh, iHeartRadio. iHeartRadio. Google Podcast, Apple. If, are yeah. we on Google? You are on Google. And we're yeah. also on, um, uh, it's Podomatic. 
Potomatic. Potomatic.com is the, the server we use. So Yes, and you can also follow Top 5 for Fighting on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And there will be a cereal taste test coming up too, so you might want to listen for that. Yeah, we did Top 5 cereals a couple weeks ago. and um, I'm, uh, I'm the, looking at the this. Co- the co-host uh, said, uh, you know what we should do? We should get somebody from the younger generation here to try a lot of the old cereals that we don't eat that much anymore because we're old. And I went to the grocery store. I got... What's that, I, seven? Eight, no, that's eight I boxes. I got eight boxes right there, plus I'm, there's two more I'm going to get. I'm wondering get. how much sugar is sitting on that table right there's there. There's a lot. That's, that's There's a lot, but gross. we're going we're gonna to do a taste test this week with all the guests that come in. <laughs> I know we have two guests coming in for sure. We might have a, a, a third. So uh, it's just, uh, we goof around. We have we, right. we try and have fun. Um, and if you want to follow me, I am at marketing underscore angel on Instagram. Um, you can see the infamous podcasts that like to come in and meow and, you know, bug us while we're recording so i'm at g bishop 436 on twitter but i don't tweet a whole lot okay all right so that is it for this week next week we will be doing uh bad boys (laughs) and uh we hope to have you back (laughs) have a nice week everyone such a liar (laughs) 